What's up, y'all? This is Ramel Watley, and welcome to Truck and Hustle, the podcast for trucking entrepreneurs. If you want to learn about the trucking industry from the business side of things, you're in the right place. Every week, I interview the people who are making it happen on a daily basis. I get them to share their successes, their failures, and sometimes even their secrets. The goal is to show you how you too can create financial freedom in the booming trucking industry. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. How are we going to do what we do without impacting the environment? Our grid right now can't really currently sustain everybody being on electric, and it doesn't necessarily make sense for everybody either. A lot of push right now because it's so trendy. My fear is that the world's poorest are gonna become even poorer if we take away that fossil fuel piece and we say that we all have to go a different route. Turn my mic up. For you. Take there. Yeah, yeah, uh. On the road to the riches. Life takes a toll like bridges. Good friends become foes and snitches. Better watch who knows in your business. All right, all right, Hustle Fam, Hustle Fam, we are back with another amazing episode, and I am here in Washington, D.C. I am joined by my new friend, Miss Nina Dittmar from Marathon Mail. She is the, you call yourself the CEO, the president? CEO. COO? CEO. CEO, the chief executive officer. That means you run things over at Marathon Mail. I sure do. Okay, so we were just kind of talking about uh, behind the scenes a little bit. Been in business for 54 years, the company as a whole. Uh, You guys run mail, USPS. Have you been a mail carrier for 54 years? Yes. Amazing. So you guys like started when like mail first started. No, right? (laughs) (laughs) Like the first mail, the first letter that was sent out, it was like on a Marathon Mail truck. Unlikely. But we've been around a long time. Been around a long time. Okay, cool. Got it. So, you know, uh, we're going to start with just kind of understanding the origins, how you got into the industry. I'm assuming this is a family business. It is. 54 years. Kind of talk about it. Tell me about the business in the beginning and how you how you got involved. Okay, so my the business was started by my parents back in 1969. My grandfather had a independent contract route. And my dad was occasionally driving or, you know, helped him. And he determined or decided that at that time he was going to pick up a route. And it just kind of started from there. And then he married my mom and she was a nurse by trade, but she's very business savvy. So the two of them kind of developed this beautiful partnership and um, they've been doing mail ever since. Got it. So at what point did you get involved in the business? I have been on a truck ever since I was probably three years old. Wow. So if people would ever go on vacation or if something needed to be covered, obviously at the last minute, you know, my parents would run routes. And depending on when that was, I mean, we were all you at that time. I mean, now children aren't allowed to go. But <laughs> at that time, that was what you did. Then if you had to run a route on Saturday, everybody would get, in the, you know, whoever was home or whatever, they would get on the truck. And so I don't really remember a time that our lives did not revolve around the post office. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So you grew up in this business. I grew up in this business. At what point did you actually get serious about it? Right. Because I mean, obviously, three years old, you weren't doing what you're doing now. But when did you decide that, hey, this is something I'm going to take seriously and start really having an active role in in the company? Uh, Probably about 15 years ago, um, as you know, my parents continue to 
you know, they're getting older and, you know, what was the plan going to be? And we have such a, we have such a great group of people that I work with. Um, the majority of our employees have worked with us for 30, 40 years. I mean, it's just really uncommon that people don't retire with us. We just, we have like this family. So it was like, I just felt very much like I needed to support the family. Like mm -hmm. I just, I needed them to know that, you know, I was invested in them, that we appreciated them, that we had the, that we were investing in the technology that was necessary to continue to move our business forward. Um, obviously we do more than just, you know, mail. I mean, we run freight and mm. um, I just really wanted them to know how invested we were in everything as a whole. And also because I think we've been doing mail for so long, I feel like I have this obligation to the American people. I know how well we do what we do. Last year, we were recognized as a as a supplier, um, uh, got a supplier award wow. in Washington, D.C. Our, our on-time performance is like 99.8. We don't miss trips. The metrics that they have in place, you know, I mean, that took years to build that network of our team of what, what's expected. But we, we expect the very best out of everybody that we, everybody that works at Marathon Mail Service puts everything into it. Mm so that we can run the seamless network for the post office. Yeah, what what was your first job in, at the company? Making copies. <laughs> <laughs> making copies. I can remember being in like sixth grade and my mom being like, I need you to start making copies. So yeah. lots of paperwork. Is, it's not as paperwork driven anymore, obviously, but at the time it was lots of copies, making lots of files for each of our contracts. Um, just that was kind of more of the administrative pieces mm -hmm. um as i slowly kind of got more involved it was more of a operations level okay how do we do what we do how do we contract how do we how do we meet their needs and then from as operations kind of excelled it was like okay now we need to get the technology um we don't live in a space where you don't want to know where everything is so for me i mean investing into um sam sarah for our gps's investing in the tms system that we needed in order to continue to be competitive and have that visibility those are the things that in the recent years of really i've been investing in our infrastructure so we can continue to be successful from here and going forward in the future got it and where are you guys based we are out of wisconsin wisconsin okay is that a uh how competitive is that area for mail contracts? There's a lot of people in the state of Wisconsin that are mail contractors. Uh, many of them are like lifelong family friends. We've known them. We've worked with them. So it's not. Um, there's several. Got it. Got it. And they're all very they're all very good. Got it. They're all good at what they do. Yeah. What What is the size of your business? Like in terms of like equipment, employees, can you kind of talk about sure. that? Um, employees, we're right around 100 employees and equipment. I would say that we have about um, 90 power units and probably 40 or 50 trailers. Got it. When you became active in your role, you said about 15 years ago, were mm -hmm. you CEO at that point? No. Okay. Um, well, when you became CEO, when did you become CEO and actually start Two running? Two years things? ago. Okay, two years mm -hmm. ago. Why, why, why did you become CEO? What happened for you to take on that role? Uh, my dad got Parkinson's. Okay, got it, got it. So it was time for you to kind of step up and start running the business. Mm -hmm. um, talk to me about, you know, 
um, how you look to like, like what was the things that you felt you needed to change? Like what were the immediate impact that you felt that you could have in the, in the business? Obviously the technology was the biggest impact, um, making sure that we were investing in building a framework so that we could continue to be successful. Um, I think one of the, um, one of the things that I recognized right away is that if I'm going to continue to grow, um, in different locations outside of Wisconsin, which has kind of been one of my plans, is, okay, how can we do that and how can we do that well? So you have to put, you have to put not just the people together, but the infrastructure and the technology of, okay, if I'm going to do that, how am I going to do that? And then building that, that team. People are just as important as, as software and technology. I know there's so much emphasis right now in technology, but you still need the personal touch and you still need a person that knows how to do something really well. And there's nothing worse than putting the wrong person in to a position. Mm. So you have to build this team. You have to build this network that you can trust, that you know is going to be capable. And so building the team has also been something that I've really been focused on. Yeah. Um, talk to me about working with the post office now and like what's the differences what's the changes that have been made over the years because you've been doing this like you said you've been around the business since you were a child but your family's been doing it for so long what what are some of the changes that impact your business the most let's say negatively and what are some of the things that are impacted positively okay well i feel like that's a double standard question so okay. i can hit both i'll give like you it. an example yeah so we were fortunate enough to be awarded a, a really a great contract within our state and we were able and it's it it heads out at the same time from two different cities and we were able to do that successfully and it was a quite a large contract i think it was 13 tractors and 22 trailers and myself and a couple other people we were able to get it up and running to the specifications in literally nine days wow. so i feel really proud about that yeah um and we have always been really um, direct. Um, I'm, I pride myself on being a really good communicator. I think it's really important that we all communicate, avoid frustration, avoid confusion. So how do we do it together? And so I've always tried, and my parents have always had that kind of same mentality. You need to have integrity and you need to communicate really, really well. So once we do that, um, and set that stage up and that expectation, usually we are able to collaborate really, really well. Mm. What I will say that would be like a negative or something that wasn't as exciting is that after we put all of this in place in less than a year, you know, the post office determined that they um, were going to insource some of that, those lanes. So we lost a, a, portion a significant of portion of so that So that contract. same contract that you had to get up and running in nine days and you put all that, you know, work and effort into, you lost a piece of that market share of that Correct. contract. I could understand how that could definitely hurt. Um, so for, for people listening and, and, you know, other contractors or other people who, you know, may be interested in doing this type of thing, what does that look like for you when you when you are awarded a contract? First, can you talk about the process to become a to, to get awarded a contract? And then once that happens, it seems like you got to spring into action. What does that look like for you? Are you then sourcing the equipment? Do you have a, a network where you already like have relationships? How do you do that in nine days? Because that that that's pretty 
Outstanding. That was by the grace of God <laughs> and a lot of hard work. <laughs> okay. Okay. So that's a short so answer. So that's a short answer. <laughs> yeah. I think that there are a lot of different ways that people can procure a contract. In this particular instance, it was very unique in the fact that um, the prior contractor, for whatever reason, they terminated very quickly and it was not under standard terms. So it was a very, um, whoever was in that area essentially was given the opportunity to bid, which they did. I think they had a lot of really capable and really good suppliers bid for it. Uh, one of the reasons why I feel like we were able to um, be successful is that we already had a facility with wonderful team members up and running on one end of that contract. Mm. So it was just to solidify the other end, which we were able to do. It just took a hot minute. I will say that we, um, again, I'll speak to the fact that I just feel like we have integrity and we work really well. Um, you know, we were we were given people like came out to help us, like they rallied for us. Mm. And I don't think that's usually the case. So we were able to get parking and and maybe a little bit easier of a fashion than maybe somebody else that would be setting it up. But that's kind of the precedence that my dad has set for other contractors whenever they needed anything, or if maybe they weren't awarded a contract within our state. Um, he would always like reach out. So it. it was reciprocated in this particular instance. Got it. You you mentioned about uh, the post office kind of going in the other direction with that contract. Do you know why that is? Or what what or what what they're the reason that they're telling you that is, right? Maybe there could be a they're, number of reasons, they but why are, are they saying that they, they're doing that? Sure. Um DeJoy is the postmaster general and has come up with a very specific plan for delivering for America. And so they are changing the way the network is set up and the facilities are set up. So I believe that this is one way that they're starting to identify areas in which they can be more efficient and perhaps insource. Uh, I don't think it will work well in all areas and this, and this plan will take some time to unfold as they you know, procure um, locations or maybe update the current ones to the new specs. Certainly, uh, the Postal Service needs to invest in and in how they're going to be competitive with different locations and facilities. And I think that's that's really great. Um, I know that um, Mr. DeJoy would really is focused on maybe not continuing like long standing um, ways of how things have been done um, as an HCR contractor and being around for a long time it's probably he's not looking at that as a favorable thing um, which is unfortunate because I think there's so much value that is added again um, there's a sense of pride in what we do because we've been doing it for so long and the level of service that we provide isn't going to be something that can be mimicked or replicated um, maybe through a broker or a different network. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I would agree, right? You, ha you have a company that's been doing this for 54 years, and I know there's a lot of other companies that mirror kind of that as well, right? Like a lot of companies have been in this business for a long time. So it's like you bring somebody off of a, what is it, like a load board or something mm -hmm. like that that's just doing it today? That's right. <laughs> there could be like some sort of impact in the quality, maybe. 
I don't worry so much about the quality. I worry about safety. Safety mm. is a huge deal. And it's at the postal level. It's it's their number one standard. There's never a time where you're not going to get something from the Postal Service. And even um, Vice President Citron just mentioned it was the first thing that came out of his mouth is safety. Yeah. Um, it's critical in everything that we do, how you strap a, tra a trailer to make sure that, you know, these pieces don't come out of the back and hit the American public. Um, safety and how you operate a driver. Do they have DOT hours? Are they capable and able to do what is required of them? Uh, we have a really high standard for safety. We have a really good safety program. It's something that we feel every person that comes into work should leave in the same fashion. Um, which is um, not hurt, um, you know, that that they enjoy what they do. So I think that one of the things that's just really important is that safety culture. And that is probably one of the pieces that might be an unintended consequence of this. Yeah. And maybe not as looked looked at as as closely right now, right now. Right. And then they'll maybe circle back in a couple of years and realize that they should have lifted it safety a doesn't deeper. take a vacation or a holiday it's true, every day true true 100 percent. so for these when you these other loads that or these other routes that will be insourced um that's the word that you use where will they be available like where, where will people find them like where will these other is this like through a network so or? this is through the postal service network it would be a postal vehicle service so this would be employees that are union that are employed by the United States Postal Service currently, or they will be hiring for for them. Okay, got it. So they won't be like independent carriers? No. They will be like actual employees, employees of the, postal, of the service. postal Service. Got it, okay. And there again would be maybe an unintended consequence. One of the nice things about having an HCR contractor is we eliminate the risk that's put on the postal service. I carry my own insurance. I make sure that our drivers are vetted, that they're safe, that they've gone through the background, all the things that are necessary and important in order to haul the mail. So I feel like an unintended consequence would be, okay, are the others. Yeah, yeah, 100%. You said earlier that you have a 99.8% on-time delivery or something like that, but pretty much almost perfect. Um, Just like Mary Poppins. Yes. <laughs> Almost perfect. How did you achieve that? And I think this is something that's important for all carriers, not just male carriers. But what are you guys doing in your culture to be able to make sure that things are clicking like that, to have that kind of performance? Our expectation is that we want the best of the best. So the individuals that serve every day behind our trucks, we don't hire people that we don't think meet our our level of what we want. So it starts then, there. So we start there. Yep. And then the next step is what we do is we find um, really, really, really good driver managers. And the next thing is that I'm accessible. Everybody in our in our group is accessible whenever a driver needs us. So if that means that um, I'm just I'm going to use this as an example, a driver's going through a divorce. OK, that's a really difficult time for that yeah. person. We're available to support them through that time. And you think, well, what does that have to do with being on time? They are very invested in the success of our business because we're invested in them. We care about them on a personal level. We care about them on a professional level. We want them to continue to move forward. And so when they know that we say, look, there are no metrics for delay now. 
I do not want a person or a driver to put themselves in harm's way in order to meet an unattainable schedule. So if, for instance, there's an accident or there's weather or something happens or occurs, I don't expect and I don't encourage that driver to put themselves at risk. They are going to be late and that would be expected and encouraged because that's the safest way for them to get where they need to go. Mm. But in general, every driver knows what the expectation is, what the schedule is, and they have been communicated with by their operations through our technology of when the start and stop of that um, contract or that particular trip is. Yeah. And they meet those standards and they want to meet those standards. It's important to them. How do you incentivize them? Why is it important to them? All right, guys, Truck and Hustle has now partnered with Transpo CFO, powered by Venning. Transpo CFO offers a streamlined monthly subscription for businesses to consolidate their accounting, payroll, and tax needs into one flat monthly rate, saving businesses a tremendous amount of time and money while making their financial operations much smoother for the long road ahead. Check out Transpo CFO in the description below and tell them Truck and Hustle sent you. Now, let's get back to the show. Well, everybody gets inside. Well, I don't know, I guess. I, we give a bonus out, but it's more than that. It's just... It's just a it's, culture that It's our built. culture. Everybody, everybody, ha everybody chips in because we all love to work with each other. We love every person. And I'm sure there's days that we all have bad days. But I can't really think of any particular person at any particular level at our, our, at our company right now that doesn't want to be there. They all want to work. And when mm. they all want to work together with us and we want to work together with them. Got it. So it's not necessarily incentivizing anybody. It's what it is, is it's making sure that we're, um, that we all have kind of, we have the same values. We have the same goal. Yeah. What are some of the other KPIs that are important to you as a business owner, um, you know, to that, that you look at to make sure that you're profitable? Uh, to make sure that you're continuing to grow. What what do you what do you look at on a daily or a quarterly or a monthly basis as a business person? I just look at our financials. I look at our balance sheet on a monthly basis. Um, before we would ever bid a contract, um, you have to look at and see if it makes sense. I'm not going to bid a contract in Texas. I don't have any locations in Texas. I could broker it. I could go at it as a brokering standpoint because I have a brokerage license. But for me, most likely, that's not something that is a reasonable area for me to service. So when I look at something in a KPI, I'm looking to make sure that when I bid something initially, did I consider all of the things? We are required to pay by the Service Contract Act. We have to have a certain number. We know, okay, there's a certain number of portal to portal miles that are that are gonna be required. All of these different things, when you say incentivizing, yeah, we do give a weekend incentive. When these, when these individuals work these hours and they're maybe working overnight on a Saturday or perhaps they're, you know, they're doing a split shift and they're gonna miss their kids' baseball games pretty much three Saturdays out of the month. We do give extra um, monetary incentive to work for those Saturdays because it's taking away from their family. However, you have to just look at each individual contract and will it stand on its own? Is it going to be profitable? Can you really do it over the course of the contract and make sure? I mean, the goal is to always make money. You have to in order to continue to be sustainable. 
what you don't want to do is I we have never been in a position where we've ever exploited something. That's not really our intention. Our ter- intention has always been to be a sustainable uh, supplier with the United States Postal Service. Got it. Has there ever been a time where you've made a decision in terms of like a contract or a business decision that you regretted that you maybe wish you could have taken back and that may have not been the right choice for that particular time in your business? I have not had that experience. However, my mother did share with me that at one point they did have to give a contract back, and it was several years ago, and it was a very big deal for them Mm. that that had to occur. And she said, if you ever have to give back a contract, then you would know. I think for her, too, it was probably like, okay, a pride issue, like maybe, maybe we didn't consider all the operations. I mean, there was many things to it, but... I have not had that specific. Got it. Do you know why they had to give it back? It just they, it just wasn't profitable. It just wasn't making didn't sense. Making sense, and it wasn't profitable. Got it. And and I can understand how that process could be hard. Like especially, you know, just from like the the network. It's like oh, you're giving one back. <laughs> you know, yeah, after you and win I it, think like, I think at that it. time maybe maybe it was maybe unheard of. I mean, that could have been thirty or forty years ago. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> got it, got it, we, got it. We haven't, I guess, and because of that experience, maybe that's why we haven't had any of those happen because we've been very deliberate in what we choose to do so that we know that we can provide that service. Got it. So now you said your, your locations are Wisconsin, where else? What other areas? Or just We're only in Wisconsin. Only in Wisconsin. We have different locations without, within the state. Within the state. Do you have any uh, appetite to grow outside of the state at all? Yes, what what areas are you looking at? Just the surrounding states, surrounding Minneapolis, states. Iowa, Illinois, Michigan. Okay. Indiana. Got it. So how like in terms of growth, like how do you how, how do you know when it's time to start looking for another area and you know it's not going to be too much for you to manage? Like how do you go about that from from your perspective? Well, it's a timing issue. I feel like uh, a lot of times people an opportunity will come up or timing so right now there has never been a more expensive time to operate the cost of vehicles is very high the you couldn't actually get vehicles in last year in 2021 getting a trailer was almost impossible um we it it's so and it's never been more expensive so i guess you have to determine with yourself okay is it realistic with the expense of everything be realistic with yourself looking at the expense of everything, can you do it at a reasonable rate and still be able to make money and be sustainable? Got it. None. On any particular lane. That makes a lot of sense. And you guys, you do what, 48s, 53s? What, what type of equipment do you guys pull? So we have 48-foot trailers. We have 53-foot trailers, all roll door. And we have uh, straight trucks. Right. They have to be rolled over at the post office, right? Correct. Got it. Um, and do you finance your equipment? Do you purchase it outright? Like, how do, do you lease equipment? Like, how do you go about that? We're basically an asset-owned co- company, so normally we purchase all of our equipment. Due to the shortages of last year, when we procured that contract, we did do lease. Got it. With the with the trucks as well? Mm-hmm. How do you look? Not trailers. Got you. Not trailers. How do you look at in terms of trucks um, and fleet maintenance? Do you turn your trucks around like after like three years or do you just kind of keep them, service them? What's your thoughts around that? We have a very unique, uh, I I guess, ideology about maintenance. I'd love to hear it. So 
I think one of the reasons why we've been successful is my dad really enjoyed the maintenance and the truck mechanical parts as well as operating and being a businessman. So I feel it's like very soothing to me when I walk out into the shop and I can like smell the diesel. <laughs> it's like a soothing it's like smell. <laughs> so we have our own shop and we have a pretty pretty rigorous plan of how we how we maintain. We're pretty fastidious about it. We have a really great shop manager and we have metrics in place of how we do things and when we do our preventative maintenance and how we maintain them. And that standard is like across the board. Mm. And so we're able to utilize equipment maybe longer than some other people would be able to because of how great our maintenance program is. Are you able to dive into any of those metrics that would be helpful to somebody else? Maybe something that you could you look at in terms of like fleet maintenance that maybe a, a jewel that someone else could use that maybe they're not thinking about? Probably. Can, can, you, can you share? I, I don't know if I can. Give us a little something. I'm trying to think like I'm having a hard time like coming up with like the couple of things, but one thing that we do is that we don't allow the trucks to idle. So they have mm. an automatic shutoff. So you're not burning up additional um, engine or anything else. And then also that helps with emissions too. We're not adding to that. Uh, tires, it's something that we're really, we always watch. We probably replace tires first before anything else to make sure that they're never they're never too low. What's the speed rate on a tire? A lot of play people don't know that there's actually a rating on speed for the tires. So if you're not going to follow that and you're going to allow drivers to go a certain speed, the likelihood that you're going to blow a tire is going to be a lot higher. Got you. No, I love that. Great, great, great ones. You came up with some good ones. Uh, in terms of driver retention, you said some of your guys have been with you for 30 plus years mm -hmm. and for a really long time. Um, how is that? Because I understand like the the pay for, it's like prevailing wage, right? You can't mm -hmm. really, the, the pay is dictated. Correct. So how how does that work? Do drivers complain about pay? Is that a problem for you guys? And how do you guys handle that? Yes. I think that we all would like to get paid more for what we do, right? So we hear about, we hear about, um, wages and things like that. Um, one of the things that we try to do as a company, aside from culture, is that if we have any additional, um, any additional like monies that would be there or if something occurred, we usually try to always give out a payout to every single employee. Mm. So they know that we're vested in them, that we appreciate them. We also do a quarterly safety bonus. So if they they took the time to be proactive, a lot of people talk about the pre-trip before you go out. I think the post-trip is just as important. When you come back, if you see that there's a nail in the tire, you should be reaching out to the driver manager so that we can get the mechanics there to swap out the tire to make sure that maybe we even save the tire. Maybe it's like a nail and it hasn't even gone into the sidewall yet. Once it gets into the sidewall, that tire's scrapped, it's gone. But if you have a driver that's able to look at a trailer at night when they're done and they're probably really tired and they do that full inspection and they look at everything and they reach back out to you and say, hey, this is what I found. If you could have it ready so that either the next driver that would be utilizing that equipment or that driver in the afternoon, it's all ready. It's all set. 
So we really try to encourage that employee delight so that when they come in, they've all helped each other out so that when they come in at the start of their tour, it's seamless. Mm, got it. And, and, and you guys do uh, prevailing wage and plus health and wellness, right? Is that? Absolutely. So there's a wage determination and then there's also the health and wellness. Got it. Okay, cool. Uh, in terms of your, your guys, like with the routes, what type of routes are they running? They're running Wisconsin to where? Can you got, give us an idea of like what your lanes kind of look like? Okay, so there's, there's plant to plant, which is um, what we discussed earlier, um, where it would be like from one city to city. So like Milwaukee to Madison or Madison to, or Milwaukee to like Oshkosh or Milwaukee to like Green Bay. But then there are the routes that are what would be considered a star route. And that is where you would go out of a plant and you would deliver to an out, several outlying post offices. Okay. So they're going to be the smaller post offices that you see in like your neighborhood town. So our drivers will deliver for the day. And then at the end of the day, they will pick up all of the mail and packages that came through that people brought in throughout the day or gave back to the carriers. Okay. You call that a star route, you said? Yes. Why is it called a star route? I don't know the answer, <laughs> is it like, but is it's it at the Postal Museum. I saw it. I should probably look it up. <laughs> I took a picture of what it means. Yeah, that, My that, parents are going to kill me. <laughs> that's that's interesting. I got to check that out myself. Okay, cool. Um, what are the plans for uh, Marathon Mail in, in the future? And and, and also, I want to before I get there, you guys are the first five as well. You, you, don't, you don't only do mail. That's correct. Talk about the other side of your business. Okay, I just want to go back to one thing about the outlying post offices and yeah, the yeah. star routes quick. Yeah. I think that it's an important distinction that we should talk about, about the fact that after COVID, preferences changed. So a lot of people in a lot of communities, especially, especially rural, have changed their buying habits. And so um, there are a lot of packages that we deliver every day. And the and the trucks are really full and that's yeah. something unique. And I don't know that it's going to change because I think those preferences of how we purchase are kind of ingrained now. That habit has formed. For so sure. I don't want to really go to Target. I'm not really going <laughs> to go to Walmart. I'm just going to order it. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I, so, I think you're right, 100% go on to your with next that. Thing. Yeah. So my, my next thing was just talk about the other sides of the oh, business uh, sure. outside of mail. So outside of mail, we have a freight uh, company and a brokerage, and we try to deliver the best possible service, again, for dedicated customers that we have um, on our freight side and uh, for customers that we work with to provide their logistics solutions. So when we say that we're going to do something, we actually do it. Mm. That's kind of kind of our mantra on both companies but for road ready particularly we've just um again always really tried to be transparent and have integrity there's a lot of people that have entered the transportation arena that don't have integrity mm. i know that you probably heard them. about that's right the double brokering and some of the other things and just selling shippers on an idea that's not realistic and that's just not something that we're willing to do. Got it. So for Road Ready, are you guys uh, just general freight? You guys do vans? Or? We do dry vans only. Dry vans only? Mm -hmm. Are you, do you have customers or do you like work the load board? How do you guys get? Uh... We do a combination of both. Okay. Got it. But is it more direct or more load board? If you, if you right now, say. I would say it's about 40 dedicated, 60 load board. Okay. 
Okay. Got it. And how long has that, the road ready side of the business been running? That was started in 1983. So that's been around oh, okay. for 40 years. Okay, that's been years. around for a long time as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, got it. And then what, what else do you guys do outside of that? And then we do work on outside equipment. So our okay. shop department will work um, for other other customers. Got it. Got it. Okay, cool. What are the, what are your goals for the next, um, what are your personal goals and, and business goals for the next, uh, let's say two to five years? Personal goal was to take a vacation. So I'm taking a two week vacation with my mother, who's going to turn 78. She's always oh, wow. wanted to do a riverboat cruise. Oh, nice. So we, we are going to go on the Danube, folks. Okay. Okay. So we are going to Budapest and we are going to leave from Amsterdam. So that is something that I've never done yeah. in my working career and I'm going to do it. And a personal I- goal is to take a vacation. I think people don't understand that about entrepreneurship, man. It's yes. not as uh, glitzy, glitzy and glamorous as it may look. You don't take vacations. It's all about the work. It's grit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. What about a, a, a business goal for for My marathon? business goal is to continue to grow the brokerage arm and provide those solutions for, for customers. Uh, freight is... Freight is great. Um, we are in a freight recession right now, in case anybody doesn't know it, and I think it's going to continue. It's going to bottom out a little bit more, and then it's going to continue to come back, and there's going to be a lot of opportunity. Yeah. What's your What's your role at Road Ready? Is it the same? or So Road Ready, you're the CEO as well. You have a lot going on. It's busy. <laughs> it is definitely Again, busy. Yeah. If you find the right team and you can lean on each other and you r- identify those objectives and goals that you're talking about yeah. in the short term and the long term, anything's possible. Is it still is is mail still a good opportunity for someone who wants to get into this business now? Uh, I would probably say no cuz the investment that you would need in order to procure the equipment and the like the shortness of the contracts. Right now, everybody really only has a 60-day contract. Mm. I don't know that the risk-benefit ratio is there. Got it. Got it. That was that was honest. I like that. Okay, cool. Um, I think we kind of covered any everything. Is there anything else that you'd want to share that I may have not asked? I don't know, <laughs> which is so sad. I should have had a follow-up question. The questions are what are so important. We all should be thinking of asking the right questions. Yeah, 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 100%. I try to make sure that I, I, I listen and I ask good questions, but there's sometimes there's something that you may want to share that I just didn't prompt you to, to share it. So I always like to ask that question as well because you may say, there's just this one thing I, was, I wanted to say, so I don't know. Yeah, I think that the one other thing that I would mention is that I think that in the future, whether it's freight or it's mail, we're going to continue to have some pressures on how are we going to do what we do without impacting the environment. So we're going to hear more about the green standards. We're going to have more um, changes with engines and emissions and what that's going to look like. Our grid right now can't really currently sustain everybody being on electric, and it doesn't necessarily make sense for everybody either. So how are businesses going to meet that demand of what customers and people want in order to have their their packages and their mail or really anything delivered and 
being conscious of what's going on with our environment. Of sustainability. So, yes. So word. I feel like that is something that's on the forefront that we all should be considering. We should all be thinking about how it's going to look and how things are going to shake out is going to be a different thing. I think that there's a lot of a lot of push right now because it's so trendy. But there are so many people when I look at it too as far as like not re like maybe we have to realign what we use with fossil fuels because my fear is that the world's poorest are going to become even poorer if we take away that fossil fuel piece and we say that we all have to go a different route. Yeah, yeah. Now that's uh that's a very that's big picture right there. I'm I'm glad yeah. you you added that for sure. All right, cool. So um I think we're going to wrap but before we go two things. Number one, we have to let everybody know where they can connect with you and learn more about Marathon Mail and Road Ready. And then lastly, we always leave this show with a final thought. And that could be, it could be something spiritual. It could be something entrepreneurial, just something that you'd like the audience to just, you got to leave the audience with, right? Um, So let's start with where people can connect with you and learn more about you and the businesses. So through our website, we have drivemarathonmail.com and roadreadytransfer.com. We do have Facebook pages for both of those companies. So those would be the ways and the avenues to reach out to somebody on my team or myself. And a final thought that I have is that I think it's really important that we bring joy to other people that we meet every day. Wow. I like that. Well, if you don't respect that, your whole perspective is whack. Hustle fam, this has been another amazing episode. You know, I always say if you smell something burning, it's only a desire. Nina, it's been real. I appreciate you joining us today. I appreciate Um, the opportunity too. And we are out. If you twisted, confused, or stuck about trucks, don't be dumb. This is the place to come. Truck and hustle. Let's go.